Hello, my friends. Bad news. One of Canada's new airlines has shut down Lynx Air. It was an ultra-low-cost airline, which meant it allowed people who normally couldn't afford to go on vacation to do so. And so the liberals killed it. I'll give you the six reasons why Lynx Air said they failed. All six of them are on Trudeau's head. And I think that this is part of Trudeau's plan to get people to drive less, fly less, eat less meat. The little people, at least. He'll keep doing all those things. But before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And do that for the great content, but do that also because it supports Rebel News. We don't take a dime from the government, and it shows. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Canada's newest airline shuts down for six reasons, all of which are Trudeau's fault. It's February 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Lynx Air, the two-year-old low-cost Canadian airline, announced that it's going out of business. This is bad news not just for its own customers, but for all travelers. Because not only did Lynx offer low-cost airfare, but it put competitive pressure on other airlines like Air Canada and WestJet to lower their fares too. Here's the statement by Lynx that they made last night. Let me quote it now. Thank you for your support. It's been a pleasure to offer our affordable fares and great flying experience. We will leave our paw prints in the sky. Links, And you can see what's attached in that red box below. Tremendous work was put into the launch, growth, and expansion of Lynx Air over the past two years, offering a low-cost, seamless travel experience for Canadians. The compounding financial pressures associated with inflation, fuel costs, exchange rates, cost of capital, regulatory costs, and competitive tension in the Canadian market have ultimately proven too steep a mountain for our organization to overcome. It is with a heavy heart we announce Lynx Air's departure from the skies. We hope in our absence that our vision to inspire more Canadians to fly leaves its mark on our passengers. I'm very sorry to read that. I I flew on Lynx just just last week, actually. It really was made for the people. Very low-cost airline. The kind of thing that Europe and the United States have a lot of. You know, you buy just a seat and what you can put under your seat. Everything else is an add-on price only if you need it. Uh... Checked luggage, putting luggage overhead. The only thing they served on the plane was water. But customers loved it because that approach is what made the ticket so affordable. It really did let people who would not ordinarily fly, fly. But look again at the six reasons that Link listed. The compounding financial pressures associated with inflation. That's on Trudeau. That's him printing hundreds of billions of dollars, devaluing our money, causing inflation. Fuel costs. That's Trudeau's carbon tax. Exchange rates. That's because our economy is losing ground compared to others like the U.S. And I bet Lynx was paying lease payments on its airplanes in U.S. dollars and also buying fuel and airport rights in the U.S. when they're in America in U.S. money. Cost of capital. That's another way of saying interest rates have gone up, just like they've gone up for your mortgage payment too. 
regulatory costs, pretty self-explanatory. Every fee, every piece of paperwork, every inspection, every bureaucratic order that slows an airline down and adds costs. And competitive tension in the Canadian market, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think it's just what it sounds like. In Canada, we protect incumbents. We protect the oligopoly, whether it's just a small number of cell phone companies or a small number of banks or the dairy cartel. Customers lose out. Six reasons. Every single one of them is a government-generated problem. I'm sad for the hundreds of Lynx staff who are going to lose their jobs. Lynx flew to 20 destinations in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. I can guarantee you that WestJet and Air Canada and Porter are going to raise their prices in those markets now. So that's what happened. And what did Pablo Rodriguez, the transport minister, have to say? He said, I'm closely following Lynx Air's announcement that they are filing for restructuring under the company's Creditors Arrangement Act. Lynx is expected to cease operations on Sunday, February 25th. I'm thinking of the Canadian travelers and workers affected by this news, the families and the communities across Canada who will feel the impact of this. For any travelers that had a return flight booked with Lynx, I expect Lynx to help you get back home as soon as possible. I expect Lynx to fully refund you if your fare won't be honored. My office has been in touch with Lynx. We will continue to communicate with all parties, and we've convened calls with other airlines to see how they can help to ensure that passengers are put first. What an awful announcement. First of all, it is blatantly obvious that he had no idea that this was happening before it happened. Just clueless. Second, absolutely no statement about Lynx's reasons for going out of business. Every single one of them are on him, on the government's lap. The audacity of saying, he's going to make sure the passengers are well-treated. Really? What's he going to do? He's the guy who's saving the day? So he's telling you he's the hero of this story, not the villain? But what a clueless defamer. Look at this reply from Lynx to him. Lynx is not in possession of any monies paid from travelers that have not yet flown on one of our flights. Credit card companies are holding those funds, so all passengers beyond February 26th should contact their credit card company to access refunds. Did Pablo Rodriguez not know that before he suggested Lynx Air was trying to pocket that money? Either way, it's a bad answer. If he knew the truth and smeared Lynx anyways, that's absolutely on brand for these immoral thugs, the liberals. But the other answer is just as bad. He's clueless. He doesn't care. He has no command of his file. He doesn't read his briefing notes. He's too busy tweeting about how the carbon tax is wonderful or whatever he's doing. You know the carbon tax is going up in five weeks, right? April 1st. You know it's going up again, right? And let's talk about that for a moment. You know, Trudeau and Rodriguez call carbon dioxide pollution. You've heard them say that, right? It's not pollution. It's colorless, odorless. Plants breathe it in for photosynthesis. It's really plant food. People breathe it out, and all animals do too. Without CO2, all life on Earth would cease to exist. But Trudeau calls it pollution and uses that excuse to tax it, claiming that will somehow change the weather. If you actually ever listen to the logic of Trudeau and, and his like on the carbon tax, it's this. They say this. By taxing bad behavior, like emitting carbon dioxide, which means driving or heating your home, by taxing that, they want you to do less of it. They're punishing it. Stefan Dion, who first proposed the carbon tax when he ran for the Liberals against Stephen Harper about 15 years ago, he called it the green shift. He said, well, tax things that use carbon and give people the money back in rebates for other things. So we'll punish certain behavior and reward other behavior. So they punish driving. 
They punish farming. They punish flying on a low-cost airline. In other words, this is exactly what the carbon tax is designed to do. Obviously, paying a tax in itself will not change the weather. Even kooks and know-nothings like Trudeau and Rodriguez know that. Their argument is that it will force people to make changes in their lifestyle, like not flying anymore. Hey, look at this article in CNN. China, the world's biggest polluter, at risk of missing climate targets, new report finds. That's such a dumb headline. It's as if climate targets are the news in the story. The news isn't some weird climate target. It's that China is laughing at every fool in the world who's cutting back on CO2. They're building coal-fired power plants which emit carbon dioxide. They're building them at a record rate. Here, let me quote from the story. In just two years, the country has approved 218 gigawatts of new coal power, enough to supply electricity to the whole of Brazil. China approved 114 gigawatts of coal power capacity in 2023, up 10% from a year earlier. Construction started on 70 gigawatts of new coal plants last year, up from 54 gigawatts a year earlier, with another 47 gigawatts going into operation, up from 28 gigawatts in 2022, the analysis found. So, so Trudeau is taxing you and taxing Lynx Air and taxing farmers and taxing school buses and taxing your home heating to cause you to either use those things less, do those things less, or if you just can't do them less, if you just have to drive to work, to make you poor. Energy poverty. That's the theory of the carbon tax. That's their rationale, to punish polluters, to hold polluters accountable. You've heard Trudeau say that. That's what they call farmers and Lynx passengers and moms driving their kids to soccer. They call them polluters. Even though CO2, carbon dioxide, is not pollution, even though China is emitting more than pretty much every other country in the world combined, my point is this is their plan. This is things working as they're supposed to in their minds. They've said that. They think flying is a privilege that only they can do. They fly in private jets. They, I mean politicians or oligarchs like John Kerry, Joe Biden's climate guru. We keep bumping into him at the World Economic Forum and asking him about his private jet, and he hates that. Here's us asking him that question a year ago. Secretary Kerry, do you think that the high price of natural gas is actually a helpful thing to get uh, people to transition to a green economy? I'd love to talk about it, but I just can't do it How on the run. Uh, justify being here when you yourself take private jets? Can you answer that? But you've taken a private jet before... No, but you've taken a private jet before to collect a climate, climate change award. You have done that. I fly commercially. And here's us asking him basically the same questions this year. Last time we were here, we asked you a question about your private jet, and you said you stopped flying private. I don't have a private jet. Are you going back to private jets after your, your work with the Biden administration? Thank you very much. I do not Thank have you. a private jet. I didn't say you had one. I said you flew on one. Oh, don't don't space, huh? You don't fly on it. When was the last time you flew private? So you see, he loves to fly. He just doesn't think that little people should fly. So people like Justin Trudeau and John Kerry and Pablo Rodriguez, they hate Lynx Air more than they hate WestJet or Air Canada because Lynx wanted to open up air travel to the little people, to people for whom a $300 ticket to Florida is a once-a-year treat, but people who could never do that if the airfare was $1,000. Those people, say Trudeau and Rodriguez and Kerry, they should know their place. I've seen a glimpse of the future they like. Here's Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, announcing Apple's headset visor a few months back. 
It's virtual reality, it's augmented reality, whatever you want to call it. You don't actually have to travel anywhere anymore. You can pretend. You can be satisfied with just watching a video on your visor. You don't have to go on vacation. Here's the World Economic Forum talking about how exciting this is for the little people. There's going to be people of means who are going to travel, and then there's going to be people maybe of lesser means who might actually be able to use an, an Oculus or a Magic Leap or some other kind of device to travel to the same place, but from their own, their own couch. Yeah, I saw this comic, and it made me instantly sad. Just slow down for a second and, and look at that. I think that's an incredibly sad cartoon. That's the future they want for the little people. As the World Economic Forum's Yuval Noah Harari says, most people are just useless and will spend their time playing video games and using drugs. That's their future. Again, I think that the biggest question, in, in maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades, will be what to do with all these useless people. I don't think we have an economic model to, for that. My best guess, which is just a guess, is that uh, food will not be a problem. Uh, with that kind of technology, you will be able to produce food for, to feed everybody. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too dramatic, right? Maybe this is just another airline failing, just another company in Canada that realizes we're not really a free market country. Maybe it's not some global conspiracy to stop little people from flying. I mean, actually, there is. It's called sustainable aviation. Here's the World Economic Forum's website on that. It's another way of saying flying should be a luxury good, just like driving, just like eating meat. For the little people, just put on your Apple visor. They're trying to make you poorer and unhappier. And Lynx's demise shows it's happening. Stay with us for more.
welcome back. You know, I, I see David Menzies quite a bit, but he's usually out in the field. His title is mission specialist, after all, and he's scooting around, finding the news on the streets. That's why it's so interesting. I've always said that Rebel News is strengths. So I think we have two that really set us apart. One, of course, is our activism. Every now and then we stop and don't just tell a story. We try and change the story by fixing things. I think that's a real Rebel News signature. But the other is, you know, a lot of journalists and pundits, and it's perfectly legitimate, they just talk about the world in a studio. I guess I do that every night myself. I call it my monologue. But David's strength is he's out there in the world, and you never know what you're going to find out there. You never know. And there's nothing more interesting than people. And one of the most interesting stories David recently did was covering a volleyball game, supposed to be women's volleyball, but there were all these, well, what's the word? Blokes. All these lads, <laughs> all these fellas who were playing in what was supposed to be a women's game, and they sure like smashing the ball, spiking it. Here, here's a couple minutes of uh, refresher of what David found on a recent mission. Folks, we were tipped off about this by insiders in female volleyball, which think this is absolutely outrageous. So much so that uh, real biological women have needed medical assistance thanks to taking spikes off their head, that's a spike ball, I mean. And sure enough, when we watched the game, there were four games played, Seneca won three games to one out of five. And um, clearly the males were the dominant players when it came to serving and spiking. Sir, sir, why are you playing with the woman? Why are you taking away a real woman's spot? Are you a misogynist? Huh? You're not allowed over you? here. I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Over here. Who are you, ma'am? You're not allowed over here. Why? why well, hey, don't touch, don't touch me. me. You touched you no. ran into me. You ran Back into me. Off. We got it on camera, ma'am. Call ma security. Call security. Okay. Why are you allowing men to play with biological females? Sir, why are you taking away a spot from a real woman? Look at this, folks. Look. Hey, excuse me. Don't touch me, sir. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Why are men playing with... Don't touch me. Huh? Why are men playing with women? Are you a misogynist? Can you please leave? Why... Why are you aiding and abetting the attack on women's sports? Well, I understand that scandalous video has caused a reaction from the college in question, but not perhaps the reaction that you might think. David, great to see you again. Thank you so much, Ezra. And I understand that the boss of the school where this was, tell me again, is it Centennial College? Is that what? Centennial College, mm -hmm. and the name of the president and CEO is Dr. Craig Stevenson. And he issued a statement. Oh, good. So he was denouncing the, the men beating up the girls, and he, and he was making a stand for women's sports, right? That's what I thought <laughs> the statement was going to be, because as you know, there were no fewer than five men. That's almost 50% of the starting roster of both teams on the court. That, that wasn't a female volleyball game. That, that was a co-ed volleyball yeah. game, Ezra. Yeah, good point. And um, so Dr. Uh, Stevenson, he begins a statement by, <clears throat> quote, you may have heard about the awful harassment our community members endured at the women's volleyball game between the Colts and Seneca Sting. So surely he's talking about the men who were playing and, and smashing the ball on the girls, That's right? what I thought. <laughs> I want to assure you that I have personally reached out to every student and employee who were directly impacted, expressing how horrified I was that they had to undergo the experience both at the moment 
and following the posting of a video online, end quote. Ezra, if you didn't know this was a volleyball game, uh, you would swear that's the language they use when they're talking about a mass shooting on campus. But they still haven't said who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. So if you actually <laughs> thought that this president was standing up for the women on the team and how that they were, how the men embarrassed them on TV, you could still at this point think, oh, he's he's going to mention that the victims here were the women and the perpetrators were the men, but you would still be wrong. Continue with the statement. Okay. Quote, our team has taken steps to ensure their well-being is our priority, including making sure they have access to every support and accommodation they might need at this time. The harassment of student athletes, staff, and guests from both Centennial and Seneca College was unacceptable, end quote. Uh, Ezra, harassment? Oh, there was harassment all right that day. Yeah. It was against Avery and I, including a member of the Rainbow Mafia, that, and I don't know if you want to throw to this clip, he wanted to beat up Avery. Only security guards prevented that from happening. Yeah, there was some bad behavior there. Let's uh, show a clip of that. You know, it's very funny how this president is saying things very earnestly, but he still hasn't actually talked about what he's talking about. <laughs> he's talking around it. He, he hasn't described what the problem is. Uh, that that probably took a team of bureaucrats to write in a committee, but here's a clip of the the harassment and the threats. Just take a look at that. Why are you talking to me then? Oh, well, you came to us, actually. You came to me. Uh, no, so you came to us. why are you disrespectful then? Huh? Why are you being disrespectful? I'm, why well, are you my, being transphobic, huh? Why? No, no, no. Am I question. being transphobic? Answer, can, you, why? can you shut up? Why? Oh, wow. Answer my question. Did okay? we trigger you? No, you didn't trigger Are me. Are you trans too? Do I look trans to you? Uh, who knows these days? Okay, so why are you What about you characters? Then? How about you guys? No comment. I hope you can go rot in hell, you f***ing wife. Wow. What happened to Love Trump's hate? What? You own this place? Oh, did we trigger okay, you? Okay, okay. Did did we trigger you, sir or ma'am? Okay, first of all, I wasn't talking to you, so shut your uh -huh. And you, well, I don't care if you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sir, are you, are you suffering from mental illness? Sir, why would you want to uh, strike a biological female? All right, well, is there more in his, in his statement? Uh, there is, and uh, I think the piece de la resistance, uh, uh, Ezra, um, oh, by the way, um, he also, and I'm sending him a thank you card for this, he is urging the students at Centennial not to view our video or share it. Now, once you tell somebody not to watch something, I think it's called the Barbara Streisand effect, right. isn't it? So because of the um, traumatization that was uh, uh, that occurred, he suggests um, reaching out, that's the students, who, who experienced it firsthand or saw the video, he wants them to go to uh, counselors at the Center for Accessible Learning and Counseling Services and the Good to Talk Helpline and the International Student Helpline, as well as the dom Domestic Student Helpline. Now, for the protected rainbow class, Ezra, he directs them to the uh, I'll, I'll read it uh, um, verbatim. Quote, some of you will find comfort in connecting with the Queering Community Student Collective, a community space and support network for 2SLGBTQQIA+, i.e. two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, 
intersex and asexual students and allies at Centennial College, the Queering Community Student Collective stands in solidarity with you, end quote. Well, I actually see myself <laughs> reflecting in the 2SLBGQ2SAXYZ. I'm, because I'm questioning, I, I like to question most things. And uh, I think you went to ask questions. I'm not sure if that's the kind of questioning that they're talking about, but uh, <laughs> they didn't like your kind of questions. Now, where was this uh, st statement issued? Was this in a tweet? Was this in a press release? I think it was on social media. And I should tell you, a uh, Centennial College student who was embarrassed by this uh, sent it out. You know, it's hard to tell, Ezra, how much of the campus is woke that think that men taking female spaces is diversity, inclusion, and equity, when it really is misogyny, and how many of the students just uh, hold their nose, divert their eyes, and say, look, I just want my degree, then I'm out of this hellhole, yeah. uh, because as you know, cancel culture, especially when it comes to this community, very real thing. Yeah, very interesting. You know, um, Justin Trudeau, of course, being a, a thought leader, a worldwide thought leader, um, has... Uh, defunded the Canadian military where we really haven't, we don't have the equipment to participate in any NATO exercises anymore. Yep. We, we were actually absent in the last major UN exercise. Before that, we were absent in, uh, traditionally, there's a military air, air force games in Alberta. Those mm -hmm. haven't been on for, we just don't have the equipment yep. anymore. Um, we, we don't do peacekeeping anymore, but Trudeau found money to put tampon machines in men's washrooms on different military bases. I see they're doing that on on uh, high school campuses and yep. university campuses. And um, there was a recent case, I read about it, about a kid who ripped off the oh, tampon yes. machine and put it in the toilet. And the principal called it a hate crime. But pub <laughs> you know what? Public response, they, they were going to suspend the kid. But the public, uh, I think that we really are at the tipping point of a lot of these things. And what's encouraging to me is Canada, which is a country of uh, <clears throat> passive-aggressive uh, conflict avoidance. Yeah. First, it was Blaine Higgs, the premier of New Brunswick. Yep. Then it's Danielle Smith, the premier of Alberta. Then Pierre Polyev, the yes. leader of the opposition, the man who, according to polls, is most likely to be the next prime minister. Yep. And I think courage can be contagious. Cowardice is definitely contagious, but courage is contagious too. And I have no doubt that those politicians are all guided in part by public opinion polls that show that most Canadians think this is madness. And it's interesting because immigration to Canada is so high, yeah. but most new immigrants come from cultures that find this transgender stuff absolutely batty. A hundred percent. And you know, I mean, this story kind of went viral uh, as our original piece about all these male volleyball players got picked up by the UK's Daily Mail, the New York Post. Oh, by the way, 0.0, .0 mainstream media. Yeah. Uh, they're not interested in that. Heavy hitters online weighed in. Uh, Martina Navratilova, the yeah, tennis legend. Very famous. Yeah. Yep, said, and by the way, she's she's the L in LGBTQ oh, yeah. plus LQB, XYZ. LGBTQ... So that's that's an inherently it's like an inherently unstable molecule. Yeah. I mean, there's I know what gay is, I know what lesbian is. I don't think bisexual is a large uh, political faction, but T yeah. is actually contrary to the L and the B, L and the G. And that's why you have organizations, Ezra, such as LGB without the T, yeah. because smart gays, lesbians, and bisexuals realize the trans agenda is about effectively canceling them. You know, I, a, a, a young 
a boy that, you know, is, say, effeminate, and, you know, that is now uh, automatically labeled, that's a girl trapped in a boy's body. A girl who's a tomboy, that's a boy trapped in a girl's body. Prep them for surgery, get the hormones going. Maybe they're, uh, it's a gay man, a lesbian woman. So they realize this is a very dangerous agenda when it comes to the radical transgender movement. You know what? Uh, teenage years are, are difficult and challenging years for everybody, I think. And, you know, a tomboy could be just a phase or an effeminate boy might just be a phase. Yeah. But now, or they might be gay. I remember meeting the head of the Gay Men's Network in the UK, and I'd never heard it put this way before. He said that if he was young now, they would have said, you're not gay, you're a woman, they yep. would have chopped him up. 100%. And, and I think it's terrifying. And so I, I find it bizarre, the energy and the commitment to this issue. Justin Trudeau has tripled down on it. Yep. Um, but I think there's some courage. And one of the things I, I talk about, as you know, is... The ash conformity test. I know we talked about that a oh, lot yes. during the lockdowns. If you feel like you're the only person in the world who has a certain point of view, there's a tendency to go along with the mob just so you don't get embarrassed. Yeah. The ash conformity test, one of the things it tests is if there's simply just one other person who's telling the truth, just one other person. It gives so many more people courage. Yeah. And that's the role that Rebel News plays, and I think that's the role that you personally play in a lot of this trans insanity. Because... If you were only to go by the CBC, CTV Global, the official sources, you'd say, oh, I, I guess I'm really the only person who's not down with the trans agenda. There was a, there was a plebiscite in the small town of Westlock, Alberta. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've been to Westlock, pretty conservative town. Yeah. They had a plebiscite because they got this, like it's a tiny town, and they have this trans pride sidewalk. <laughs> and they had a plebiscite on neutrality yeah. not to ban anything but just yeah. from now on the only flags and sidewalks that will be in that town are official government flags the maple leaf flag the canadian the, the alberta flag right. maybe i don't know if there's a westlock flag and all sidewalks will be normal colors and this plebiscite passed and the gnashing of the teeth from the globe and mail is weighing in <laughs> pride flags banned no they're not banned yeah fly all the pride flags you want if you want to fly from Toronto to Edmonton and then drive to Westlock and fly your pride flag, go ahead. It's just not going to be on government properties. It's politically neutral. There won't be any Black Lives Matter flags. There won't be White Lives Matter flags. There won't be pro-Ukraine flags. There won't be pro-Russia flags. Exactly. There won't be pro-Palestine flags. There won't be pro-Israel flags. It'll just be the Canadian flag. Yeah. And you can have your own political flag yourself. And I think this is the latest indication that the that the hive mind of the of the far left does not have support amongst the people. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, when it comes to flags, Ezra, we see a growing number of schools that are actually breaking flag pro protocol. On the staff, only the Canadian flag should fly. But as you know, Pride Day became Pride Week, became Pride Month, became Pride Season. Now it's Pride Year. And the rainbow flag is up there sharing the same staff as the Canadian flag that's against protocol, but heck, we're going to do it. The second point I want to make is that at Centennial College, and I'm sure at every post-secondary um, uh, education institute, Ezra, there's there's got to be a women's club, a feminist federation. I'm betting the, well, the numbers show more than half the campus 
is bona fide 100% biological females going to post-secondary school now. Why aren't they out there protesting these sausage fests that are pretending to be women's sports? Why aren't they and their male allies doing this? I think it's a fear of cancel culture. And uh, But as you said, hope abounds. We have seen Premier Smith, Pierre Polyev uh, come out and take a stand. I think maybe the pendulum might be swinging. Let's hope so, because I see a lot of indoctrination on campus. Maybe the next generation coming up is going to reject this indoctrination. Well, it could well be. It's very interesting days, and I, I wish you to continue your work. Uh, great to have you in the studio. Thanks. Thank I know you. you're you're rushing out the door to do your next project. Yes. <laughs> Stay with us. Uh, okay. so, um, your letters to me are next. Welcome back to your letters. BRCX says, God forbid there be multiple perspectives as asserted by core ideals of classical liberalism. This is disgusting, and Justin Trudeau is not to blame anymore at this point. The Canadian people either step up or get stepped on at this point. I don't know. Trudeau is such a good talker. He really is a dramatic actor and thespian. And when he says we need common facts to agree on, you know, that sounds sort of nice. We have to remind people, no, there's there's more than one opinion. Sometimes there's more than two opinions. And you want to hear both sides of the story. That's what I remember when I chose the model for Rebel News, telling the other side of the story. First of all, that's what we do, so it's a good model for us. But it's a reminder to people, hey, there is another side of the story. These days, there's the official narrative, and then there's everything else that's canceled. West New West says, while I do not always appreciate Rebel News, I do take full comfort in the fact that Rebel will be here long after Trudeau has faded off into the distance. Well, I sure hope so. And we're doing everything we can to hold him accountable, especially when the regime media won't. That's our show for today. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. <laughs>